Hi, I'm Melanie Barr. Welcome to the She Built It Experience with Melanie. You're here because you want to experience the life and business that you crave. Join me as I talk to women who have successfully built it, a career and business that they love. We dive into the topic of how they built it and talk about everything from having the courage to make career leaps to the details of how to lead effectively, create successful teams, implement strategies for growth, and infuse tech innovation. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. So let's dive in. Inez Ribistello is a Tarboro, North Carolina-based mom, activist, entrepreneur, sommelier, and writer. She owns the super popular Tarboro Brewing and just released her newest book about September 11th, which hit number one on multiple Amazon lists following its release. The book documents her journey working at Windows on the World at the Twin Towers and about how she rebuilt her life after the terrorist attacks. Thank you so much for joining me, Inez. Please tell us more about who you are. I am born and raised in a very small town in rural eastern North Carolina, where I now live and run a brewery with a satellite tap room with my husband, who runs our restaurant. So we started our path in Tarboro. 19 years ago with our restaurant. And then about six years ago when we opened the brewery. I love that. I understand being from a small town. I grew up in a town of a thousand. Oh, wow. And I now live in Los Angeles. I have since I was, I've lived in LA since I was 19. And I know you spent some time in New York. You wrote a book titled Life After Windows. Please share with us your journey in writing the book. Yes. Yeah, so this book details moving up to New York after I graduated from college and going into culinary school and discovering that I had a passion for wine, getting my dream job as a 25-year-old, as a running the beverage program for the largest grossing restaurant in North America, windows on the world uh, in the top of One World Trade Center, which was the North Tower, being employed there on September 11th. I, I was not in the building uh, on 9-11, but details the, the day of and the days, months, years after and the healing that came and a big part of that coming back to Tarboro, North Carolina, a town I had promised myself uh, I would never return to. The trials, tribulations, joys of running a restaurant in a small town and then opening a brewery that has been one of the hardest things I've ever done. And then actually getting the courage to put it out there for, for the universe to read. Well, good for you. And there's a reason that you weren't in the building on that day. And it had to be, I, I can't imagine going through the experience. Can you share with us why, why you weren't there that day? Yeah, my sister got married on September 8th. So I had come home on the 5th to in her wedding. And I grew up uh, in a divorced home and I spent time with my dad. I was always to spend time with my mother, just, you know, the beauties of, of being from parents who are separated. And so the day after the wedding, the night, my mother had made arrangements for me to go and be with her for a couple of days. So I was in the mountains with my mom and her friends and was set to fly back on Wednesday morning, September 12th. Wow. How was it going from a small town to New York? I found it the best thing that had ever happened to me. I I didn't know it then, but I was so enthralled by the freedom of no one 
knowing what I was doing and being able to give me their opinion about what I was doing because I grew up with lots of parents and grandparents and I was close to all of them. You know, everybody felt very entitled to, to tell me what they thought I should be doing. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm in this city, millions of people, and I just could go and do freely. There was not one moment of what have I done? You know, I'm missing my, my familiarity of the South. That just wasn't my experience. So I fell in love with New York City. I remember the night before I moved, just being terrified. It takes a lot of courage to make a leap like that from such a small town. Yeah, I was really fortunate that my boyfriend was already living there. He'd gone up first. We were not living together, but he was there. And then four girls from North Carolina were going to come up shortly after they, I was there for about a month and a half, two months before they moved. I'm sure I would have been much more nervous if it was only going to be me. Yeah. I didn't know a single person when, when I moved, but I had a similar experience to you. Like I love the energy of the city and the freedom. And I just, you know, I'd hit a point in the town I grew up in where I just was ready for more and I wanted more. seems like you, you probably hit that point too. For sure. So was this when you moved to LA or did you live in New York also? No, this was when I moved to LA. It honestly was between New York and California. But I I remember walking across campus to a final and it was hailing and the buses weren't going and I had to get to my class. And I remember thinking, okay, no more snow. (laughs) Next year, I'm going to be in the sunshine. And I got to Loyola Marymount where I finished college and someone ran across the uh, campus with a surfboard and I said, I'm in the right place. (laughs) I've come to the right place for me. Here I am. (laughs) You are a sommelier and the owner of a brewing company. Tell us about what you do and what gave you the inspiration to start and launch your company. Stephen and I had opened our restaurant in fall of 2002. We had converted one of the dining rooms into a, a working wine cellar. Kind of a combination of working with your husband, being in the restaurant business, finally making a conscious decision to not continue the master sommelier path, which the three of those combined equaled burnout. I wasn't going to leave Tarboro. We had bought a huge building in July of 2008, where we had hopes of moving the restaurant to. Um, And of course, that was right before the bottom fell out in, in our country's economy. No one wanted to invest in a restaurant period, much less one in Eastern North Carolina. And we were really following closely what breweries were doing to transform small towns. Stephen was very supportive of, hey, if you think this is going to work, we should do it. And he's a big part of jointly helping the write the business plan. And the idea was that, A, we would create this new business in Tarboro that would be a lot more accessible than our restaurant, while our, our restaurant is quite affordable compared to LA, New York, Chicago standards. It still was not for everyone. Not even lunch was for everyone. And so we thought this brewery would be an added bonus. I mean, my passion is Tarboro and and getting people not to just visit, but to want to live here. That was the vision behind it, that we would create a business that was much more accessible to the locals and add another attraction to our small town. I had no idea how hard it would be <laughs> just because the the landscape 
of local breweries changed so much from the minute we wrote the business plan to the day we actually got the doors open. The number of breweries in North Carolina had tripled. Our model was all built on wholesale. I couldn't get a distributor. People were like, oh, you're not that local. There are 40 breweries in Raleigh. You know, just it was really hard. And so we um, we got the tap room open about four months later. But even that, Tarboro doesn't have the foot traffic that a Charlotte or a Durham has. And so while I would not trade it for anything, it has been a very different six years than what I experienced with On the Square, where people were clamoring to get in. I had never worked in an environment where I was actively trying to get people to like us. I'd come from obviously Windows and a brand new casino in in Atlantic City and, and even on the square that it was drawing people in. This has been where I've been actively working to get people to enjoy it. So it's just different. But good for you for having that tenacity. In your book description, you say, over time, you find yourself again, love is reborn, children provide a renewed insight on life, and new businesses provide growth and purpose. Do you have any tips or lessons you've learned for making a pivot or a leap to start over, whether your pivot is a choice or in your case, when it's not? Yeah, I've become such a better listener. I know now there was a big void in Tarboro for a community space. Something was telling me that. And when we built the brewery, while I was telling everybody it was a tap room, really what I have learned is it it's a community space where people can come together. I didn't realize how important that was. I probably wouldn't have known that had I not chosen to listen to people who were at different tables than I was. I, I will always say, you better be listening to your community, right? And they're going to tell you. And sometimes it's going to sting and sometimes it's going to feel like gold. But I guess the choice I made in this case in particular was to listen. It's great advice. And it's to listen to yourself because you listen to yourself about creating and building a community space. And then also listening to clients and customers and consumers, which is always important because sometimes we can get so headstrong in doing what we want. At times, we might not be going down the path that our clients and customers necessarily want. And what a great thing for you to do to create a place where your community can come together because it seems like that that was needed. And of course, beer, wine, and food. Yeah. And then you put meaningful conversation in that mix and it's just like perfecto. I love that. What is one thing that your business has done for you or taught you and your clients that you didn't realize would happen? On the restaurant side, it really was a big part of teaching me boundaries to realize that like the service industry is emotionally taxing. Of course, it's physically laborious, no matter if you're in the kitchen or if you're in the front of the house, but just what you have to do to protect your mind and your heart and your soul, it's very little downtime. People, they'll take as much as, you know, you'll let them take. While I grew up Southern and thinking, if I didn't say yes, then I was rude. Just understanding that I, if if I want to be able to do what I want to do, then I have to make sure that the life isn't sucked out of me. I don't think people um, talk enough about what restaurants can do to the people who work there regardless of its management, owner, server, whatever role, it's a lot. 
put up those boundaries is super important. And then on the brewery side, I guess the biggest thing that I've learned is how much a label matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And do you create your own beer? So we have a wonderful brewmaster slash partner, Franklin Winslow, who creates all the recipes for our beers. I have been known to brew on occasion, but I'm not a brewer. I'm just a drinker. (laughs) (laughs) I've had hundreds of interviews and I have not had the conversation come up about the toll on the restaurant industry. So thank you for sharing that. Because we go to a restaurant and we enjoy the atmosphere. But I can see from the other side how wonderful, but also how challenging it can be at times. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. What is one tip that you can leave with us today about how you find and live your joy? Easily from my my father, if something's bothering you, go and do something nice for someone and you will instantaneously feel amazing. If we send somebody a text in the morning that says, have a great day, you're on my mind, like just the benefits of that, it could be something big, taking someone dinner, but it doesn't have to be. There are little, little things we can do every day that will change someone's mood. The joy is constantly working to do something nice for someone, whether it means a kind word or an actual gift That's so true. And the gratitude is on both sides. You feel the gratitude and the other person makes their day too. Right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Inez. Can you tell us how and where our listeners can find you, how we can reach out to you? Yeah. So Instagram is my thing. I I just really enjoy Instagram. And my name is Inez Rivestello. The book, I, I encourage you to buy it from an independent bookstore. All you have to do is ask for Life After Windows. Uh, by Inez Robostello. Um, I'm very proud of this book. Of course, you can order it on other places too. Or you can visit me in Tarboro and see Small Town Life. I love that. I now have a cousin in North Carolina. Maybe I'll have to come see you. <laughs> Please do. I would love that. If you are new to She Built It, we'd love for you to join us. We offer community memberships, masterminds, innovative virtual events, and meaningful connections to entrepreneurs and corporate leaders. Please also check out our She Built It shop, curated products from women-owned businesses who put their heart and soul into their beautiful and innovative products. We offer She Built It business consulting and the She Built It blog. Thank you to everyone around the world who joined today. Thank you to my editor, Rich Streffolino. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, together, let's let nothing stop us from experiencing the life that we crave.